Hi, and welcome to the Yes Mama podcast. A Yes Mama is one who loves being a mom, who is in it to have the best time with their kids, to raise confident and happy and successful and resilient kids. And here at the Yes Mama podcast, we do that through intimate conversations with moms and sometimes dads about the best ways that we've found simple yet effective parenting methods that have helped our kids to really thrive. So even just by being here, you're doing such a great job by showing up, taking this hour out of your day to be a better parent shows how much you care. So great job. Thanks for being here. Here we go. Okay. Yes, mamas. Hello. I am so beyond grateful to be here with a friend who I've known. Wow. We went to high school together, so I'm not even going to start to date us and try to figure out exactly how many years, close to 30 years at this point. Uh, But Erica Burton, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here to speak with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to all the moms who took their time to listen today. I had a little feedback from the podcast that I say thank you to everyone for showing up, but showing up for this is also showing up for your kids and yourself. So thank you to everybody out there. Um, Where I want to start today is your little tagline that you have on, on your Facebook post. You don't even have a picture of yourself on there. You have a little you know, square up there that says, if you work really hard and are kind, amazing things will happen. And is that a motto in your family or what made you feel like that was the number one thing that you wanted to say to the world? Sure. So thank you for having me. Is it, do you go by Alana or Alani? I'm Alana. Yeah, okay. I know. I know. And I'm traveling back to, to, you know, meet high school people this weekend. And I realized yesterday that I'm going to get some Lonnie. So whatever is, is comfortable for okay. you. I am Alana these days. I, you know, I, it is my motto. I think that kindness is the most important quality for any human being to have. It takes absolutely, you know, doesn't cost anything. It, and it's important, you you know, that golden rule of wanting to be treated um, as in the world, like, you know, at, similarly to how you treat others is really important. And so my kids know that and being that way takes a lot of patience, right? It, it, it makes you step back and be reflective as a person. Um, so in choosing your words wisely. Um, and, you know, really being thoughtful in, in how you interact with the world. So I, I do. I think that if you are kind and if you work really hard, grit is really important to me. Uh, yeah. That's my other word. That, that really just uh, it, it's an important quality that I really try to have my children um, live by. Uh, and, and I feel like they do really good things and they have the time to um pursue their passions, to grow their brains and, and bodies. And they're really well adjusted. You know, obviously we all have our setbacks, but well adjusted individuals because of those, those two qualities. So, so grit and kindness are kind of my family motto. Absolutely. That resilience piece is huge. How fast can you bounce back when you have that bad day or bad moment for sure? And one of the reasons we're having you on here today is because your so my kids are a little bit older than yours. So my youngest went to college when your oldest went to college. They were the same year that way. Um, and and she, it's swimming is her sport. Is there one specific 
stroke. I'm not a big, she's mostly a freestyler, um, which basically it's funny. Cause when I got into the swim world through her, um, you know, it was this whole idea that when you freestyle, you can actually do whatever you want to get across the pool, but it's traditionally, you know, it's what we would think is, is a freestyle. And, and, and it really, in my opinion is one of the harder strokes because it's really rough on the shoulders, you know, consistently doing it, but she is also long distance. So she swims the mile, um, and she swims the thousand. And then she also does, uh, an IM, which is all the strokes, but a 400 IM that's kind of, those are her main, I guess, strokes that she does. And, you know, she, I don't know how you want to me to evolve this conversation with that, but she got into it because, and this is actually a really a, a true grit story. Um, she was seven years old. She wanted to be on the Nutra aquatics team, which is the local club team at our, in our area, um, affiliated with Nutra high school, which she would eventually go. And she didn't make the team. And it it basically, you just had to be able to, you know, do the, every stroke, um, tread water for a minute and hold your breath underwater. And, and she, she did all those things, but there wasn't room on the team and she wasn't good enough. Cause obviously when there's so many kids try out, it was, an, I think an Olympic year. Um, and that's when more kids want to be into swimming. You're right. unable to get a, a place if you're kind of like low on the totem pole, being able to do those strokes in a refined way. And so instead of, you know, putting her head down and saying, I'm done with this sport. And she really loved it. She loved, you know, just swimming in general at the local pool and whatnot. Um, she's like, I want to be, can you find me another place to, to learn? And so like, I, I, you know, found a swimming class and, you know, then she was on like that, you know, very, um, non-competitive kind of team for a while. And then she went at eight years old and tried that again and again, did not make the team. And oh my this gosh. is unheard of. Like they called me and they're like, we're really sorry. She's just still not good enough. And she's like, I'm going to do it again. And, and so she did, she went, she she practiced all the time. She had me drive her when I could to different programming. I, you know, some private instruction that I was, you know, lucky enough to be able to afford. Um, but she really was like, I am going to make it this year. And then when she was nine, she finally made the team. So it took three times of trying out at a, as a, at a really young age to be able to do it. And from there, you know, she kind of just said like, I, this is something that's really important to me. And in my family, um, you know, as I said, it, I think, I, I also think this, there's something to, you, you can be really good at two things. I don't think you can be really good at three things. Like, yes, it can be, you know, it can, it can be things that you appreciate and things that are part of you. But I, I kind of like have always told my kids, if you're going to, if and athletics are that important to you, um, you know, your friends will be a part of that, but you kind of got to make a decision if that's what you want to do. And granted, all for trying as many sports, being involved in so many different activities. And we did that when they were younger as well. And she was in other things, but she's like, I want to be a swimmer in college. And I said, that's, you know, wonderful. But just so you know, like school, it's a non-negotiable. That is something you have to put your full effort in. And and that's most important on my list. And then after that, it's kind of up to you what, what your second thing is. And for all three of my kids, um, we, you, you don't know about my other two, but all three of them, athletics is number two. And they're, you know, not that social things aren't important to them, but it is definitely their third thing. And so friendships they have are mostly from the, the things that they do with sports. Um, 
and, and they're strong friendships, but they, they kind of, um, they mesh together. That's great. And yeah, and we'll get into that. Some of those really good, just byproducts of being on a team of, of getting to practice the social skills and all of that. And where is she now? So now she's, my oldest is at Colgate and she's a sophomore and she swims for the the team. And she's like, she's very proud of the fact that she's she's like, I'm a division one swimmer. However, they are like in the Patriot league, they are academically highest, but they are lowest in terms of like, I don't care. Sport, I don't care. Like, Your no, kid is huge. Stop. And again, that academically high is, is huge too. You know, she's obviously has, has figured out how to find that balance throughout high school, which is something that, that we'll touch on too. But I love how you brought up how you can't necessarily be good at everything right? That you have to kind of pick. And I used to call um, my daughter in high school, I used to call it like the funnel. I mean, part of it is from when you start to apply to colleges and you have to pick, can you believe they have to pick their major before they even get to college at like 16, they're deciding their career. I don't know. I'm unsure. Like it it depends. My kids are now going through the process with my second one. And, and similarly to my oldest, if they're a, um, small, going to a small school, which my, both my girls are choosing to do. Um, you actually don't have to pick your major till sophomore year. So she didn't have to, uh, actually share that she wanted to be a neuro major until sophomore year. So she's a, that she just, she just confirmed she's, she's a neuro. That's major. wonderful. And we're in California. So the CSU UC system is, yeah, is where my kids are going and, and yeah. you have to pick your major before you even get there. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You're touching on something else. And I actually have the chart up on my computer cause I wanted to make sure that I got it right. But in the last two, um, episodes or podcasts yes. that I've, had up, I've talked about Howard Gardner and the theory of nine intelligences. Yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I just wanted to do like a, a mini shout out to it for any listeners who are like, what is she talking about with this nine yes. intelligences? Um, and in terms of basically, it's not everyone's you're intelligent if you're a good reader or good at math, that there's other, there are nine of them that you can be good at. And even with the whole like emotional intelligence, right? Your EQ got a big buzz. I forget what year that came out, but that there are all these different ones that are intelligences that you can be really good at. And that the way that they do the sports one. Spirituality too, that that's inclusive. Isn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. I haven't looked at gardeners on the chart I have. It says existential. So maybe, yeah. So verbal musical, Mm -hmm. um, which is the one that I, you know, was a big music kid in school and was not good at academically at school. So I was always like, yeah, I'm a really great singer and that's an intelligence. So it was a way for me to write. It's a thing. Okay. So verbal musical body kinesthetic, which is sports. Um, visual spatial, so art, right? Naturalistic, so one with nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, yoga can fit in a lot of different places. Interpersonal, math, existential, and intrapersonal. So, you know, relationship with yourself or relationship with others. And so I love that you kind of helped your kids to realize that they don't just have one intelligence. They're not just smart and they're not just good at sports, but they can, you can have some overlapping there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and helping them kind of go that way. Okay. So I have to ask you one funny mom question. So yeah. 
you're taking your oldest to college, you're dropping her off, you're setting up the whole room, you do the, I mean, I couldn't leave until the bed was made and the closet was perfect. just If she wanted to do the posters herself, whatever, you know, and my son obviously just was like, no, mom, do whatever you need to do. Tell me when you're done. So, you know, boys and girls are a little bit different. But when my oldest, oldest, um, I dropped her off, I remember walking out of there and thinking like, no one's here with a medal. No one's here with that. You know, there's no finish line that you run through. There's no, you know, when you're potty training your two-year-old and you get and they get an M&M for like going pee-pee in the potty, right? right? I was like, no one's here. And I so I had such an, it was such an introspective moment of like, you know, we do this all for them. Mm-hmm. And, and there is, not only is there no finish line, but there's no one there cheering you on. There's, you become the mom that you want to be really because you want to be it. If you stop to look around and are like, is anyone going to give me, you know, say like kudos, your kid's going, how did you feel or what were your big emotions dropping yours off at, at college? So I don't know. And this is again, like something that we do at the dinner table. Like I, I feel like life is about intrinsic rewards. So what you feel internally based on situations versus extrinsic things that you get for doing those things. And yeah. so you know, even something that, that we've always done sitting around the table and, and I really do commit to, and it's obnoxious to the point where my kids are like, we, we don't want to eat with you. We're done. Like we just want to have our headphones on. I'm like, no, we're having a family meal no matter what time, like in our dinner schedules all over the place because of that. Um, but we always say like, you know, what's your high and what's your low in so many ways. Like sometimes it's high or low. Like what was the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? And talking about those things gets you to kind of understand that there you're going to have highs and lows. Not everything is all, you know, roses. Like you're going to have bad moments and how you deal with them is what makes you a resilient person. And so, you know, when I, I don't know, when I dropped my first one off, I was like bawling because it almost felt, and I didn't start bawling until we, we flew. Well, I drove her down. Um, and then I flew home. And when I got off the plane, my husband met me. Um, she, he's like, I'm not driving down. And he met me, you know, to, you know, meet all the coaches and all of, you know, her roommates and everything else. And then we flew back together and he had flew in that morning, um, when we drove in the night before. And so, when I got off the plane was the emotional moment for me. It almost felt like that moment when you bring your child home from the hospital and you're like, my life is never going to be the same. It was the same situation of loss, but a positive loss. Like my life's never going to be the same. Like, yes, she's going to come home. Yes. She may live with us after she graduates. Like who knows those things are undefined. However, it's going to be different and it's not the same. And you know, you kind of like you give them their wings so they can fly. And like, and and she was very prepared and very comfortable. And she, it like makes me very emotional. When I left her, she's like, I'm okay. Like I, I'm happy. And sorry. It's no, oh my God. I'll talk to you. I'm happy. And you know, she's like, thank you. And it was nice. It was like a really positive moment for me that like, I knew she was going to be okay. Yeah. So, no, my, my son, um, see here, I'll get emotional and, and <laughs> we'll do it together. Um, my son, when he, he and I were together for all four years of his high school and that's when my divorce happened. And so it was me and him. Right. And my daughter was there for the first two years, but she was on the volleyball team in high school. And she has a lot, she's a, 
she, as my eldest daughter said, she's an outdoor cat. She's an okay. extrovert, wants to be out and, and my younger one, not so much. She's a home guy, but we also went through, you know, a really hard time. And a lot of the time it was just the two of us, right. Just getting through it. And there was a second, yeah, I'm going to lose it too. There was a second where I looked him in the eyes and I was like, we did okay. Right. Oh, we did. Yeah. Okay. He was like, no mom, we did great. And I was like, oh, thank you. Because I just had to have that moment where I was like, I did the, not just the best I could, but I know you're a good person and yeah. you know, and you got it. So, so yeah, having that moment, I also, with my daughter had a, cause she was my first one to kind of go, um, all the things that I wanted to do with her. And I was like doing this, it was like a week before she left. It was like, did I do all the trips I wanted to do? Did I do all the, you know, like little girl trips or, you know, that one-on-one time, you know, is so, is magic. And so I had this whole like list. So for these moms who are are coming up behind us, which is another one of the goals of this, you know, that moment where you drop them off and you know that they're good because you've because it is a marathon, not a sprint. You've had all those family dinners and you've had right. all those moments where they know you have their back that allows it to be okay when they when and they hear the voice in their head as they navigate the world. You know, you're hopefully like and you hope that when they make decisions, they're you're in their ear, you're in their heart. Yeah. Now my kids both make fun of that. Oh, mom, you are the voice in my head. And I'm like, yeah, I, good. I'll right. take it. That's great. Can we jump back around to these family dinners? Because um, again, the theme of the entire podcast is showing up as your best self so Mm -hmm. that you can show up for your kids in in a really meaningful and mindful way to create these close connections. And I love the topics that you're saying at, at dinner, like Mostly doing a positive one, right? What was the best part of your day? And then also talking about those highs and lows, but, yeah. but then sharing with you something hard that happened in that day. You have to have that level of vulnerability where you obviously have shown up time and time again as someone who loves them and is going to let them work through those feelings with you and they feel safe sharing that with you. Can yeah. you speak to that a little bit, how to build that? trust. Sure. So, um, and I'm going to share something really vulnerable. My, my middle one, um, was struggling. I just like noticed. And obviously when you're having family dinners with your kids, you notice eating habits, right. And things that change. Um, and my middle one who is like smarter than my older one in turn, and this is not for me. Like, you know, you're like, sometimes you're like, where do your kids come from? Cognitively smart. Um, but also super talented athletically and, but super OCD. And, and I, there were some things when she was younger um, that we noticed and addressed through kind of behavior therapy and she got through them and she had tools to kind of handle and navigate in a way that she felt comfortable. Cause you got to always go with what your kids feel comfortable, regardless of what you think about it. Yes. Um, now approaching college next year, you know, and last year I noticed like she, lost some weight. She stopped eating some, some things and like, and was starting to have tendencies that were scaring me. Um, and you know, I, I basically shared with her, like, you know, it not only can affect you physically, but it can affect your brain. Like it, when you, when you don't eat enough food, it affects your brain and, and over time, your, your memory, your skills, everything that is important to you, skills, both cognitively, physically, um, so she's getting some help 
And navigating some of that during dinner is super challenging because it's not something as a parent. You Parents obviously wear many hats, um, but in addition, you just have an inclination naturally. You want to be your child's friend, but really that's not your job and it's not it's not something we can do often. Yes, there are moments when you can absolutely, and especially as, as, you know, children grow into adults, you become friends, but they need us to guide them and they need us to be that person that they can trust, but they also need us to wear and be, you know, the, the voice of reason and make decisions, help them make decisions that are not necessarily things that they want to do. And so, you know, in, in those instances, I think, family dinners have, have been a struggle with certain things where it's always me because she trusts me the most that, you know, she's very upset. Um, and, but yet like it, it's my pleasure to do it. Cause I know in the end she'll, she'll be in a place where she can handle things, um, and get through and, and not, not struggle because she doesn't have the resources to do it. And so she's going to go to college. I mean, thankfully through like you know, telemedicine now, um, she's going to go to college with her therapist and and it'll be a wonderful resource for her to have. So she won't fall. Absolutely. And how do you stay strong and keep yourself calm, you know, during those tough times? Because when our kids are going through a hard time, whether it's, you know, fighting with friends or it it can be a million things. So I hate to say, how do you, how do you show up for yourself so you can show up for her? So, you know, I, I think every woman, and I think it's, it truly is, um, I think that you're either not remembering or you're not, you know, you're not dealing with how you went through life and how you navigated. We, we all have insecurities regardless of how they show up. And so sharing those things, being really honest, um, and how, things were for you, but also not make it about you, right? And it, understanding and, and listening, being a really good listener is how as a parent I've gotten through, but also like I'm emotional and my kids like laugh. Like I laugh, at, I cry at commercials sometimes. And it has nothing to do with like my period. I've never been one to like be affected by my menstrual cycle. So that's not it, but just letting my kids know that I'm vulnerable. And I think that, um, and allowing myself to cry when I need to cry, to laugh when I want to laugh, like not holding back emotions. Um, I heard a wonderful speaker through the fan network, like our local nutrient area where they, they share resources. And it was a cognitive psychiatrist years ago. Um, and they say, we don't want our kids to be happy. We want them to be self-sufficient. And, mm-hmm. and really that comes from allowing them the range of emotions that exist. Like it's, it's really, it's not natural to always be happy. It is natural to cry. It is natural to scream. So allowing them those, but my reaction to them, my children, when they have those moments is to try to really become, and I may cry and I may want to scream. Um, I don't know. I've never told you this, but I do transcendental meditation. I, I started it, um, three and a half years ago. And that's really helped with like really maintaining calm in the storm. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I want to jump back around too, to something you said about, you know, letting them know that we're guiding the ship. We are the captain 
you know, and, yeah. and we're in charge. I see that a lot when I was teaching Montessori because I saw a lot of parents who would, would show up to pick up their three, four, five, six-year-old and be like, what do you want for dinner? And the kids are expected after this long day and holding their emotions together to then tell the parent what they want. And I'm thinking they, they need to know someone's in charge or, you know, these households where the kids, ru- you know, really run the roost or however you say where yeah. the- are, you know, yelling at their parents or just deciding when bed, you know, they need someone. Yeah, exactly. Structure is a good word for it to just hold those boundaries of, you know, if you take it to extremes, no, you're not running into the street, you know, or you're not going outside when it's zero degrees with no coat on. No, but also for, for the smaller things too. And then letting them have the room to be creative and vulnerable and have whatever emotion that they're having within those safe boundaries. Well, what I found, I mean, just being an educator, um, as well as we talked about in teaching yoga, like I, I've found that there's a lot of guilt and that's kind of where it stems from not, Mm -hmm. not creating boundaries that parents have. And it's, it's not, there's not, they're trying to do all parents. They try to do the best that they can like that. You have children you're not given a set of instructions and every child's different and every child has a different need in, in any given moment and their reaction to things at any given moment, it's going to vary. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of the the parenting stuff that, that we've talked about comes from guilt, like being a full-time parent or being, uh, you know, not being a, a parent, like not being able to be home when they want to be or really enjoying their jobs that they've worked so hard for. And, you know, then, so that's where all those things come in and, and really you have to see what works for you and it's okay to make mistakes. We've all made mistakes and that's where you learn. That's where you learn what works best for your family dynamic to be successful. And giving yourself a little bit of freedom and forgiveness yeah. when you have made a mistake and you're like, Ooh, that was not that right. work. <laughs> Exactly. And then the, the reconnecting, I can't think of the right word right now, but there's a, you know, saying, you know what, I messed up. I'm so sorry. You know, I yelled, I lost my temper last night. I was wrong. I apologize. You know, let's figure this out. I found too, guilt is, is a really good one. That's, that's very, that's makes a lot of sense. Um, it also, a lot of us are trying to recreate the childhood that we wanted. There's some of that too right? Of, of the ways that our parents let us down. Now we're trying to show up for our kids and, and fill those gaps that we have from our own childhood. I know what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Okay. So let's actually drop into talking about sports. I knew this would happen. It happens every time because it's like, you know, how to be a great mom, but also doing this thing. So I love that you shared that she, what didn't always have the most amount of talent. She didn't go in there at, you know, five years old and was like faster than everybody else. It was something yeah. that, that was built on. And and you as the mom found her some extra classes and got her back in there. And, and so she did it. That's, that's amazing. Um, let's talk about balance. So sure. did she, so just balance of a normal weekend in your household. If your kids are all doing sports and they all have homework, how do you make it as calm as it can be, but also showing up for all the places that they need to? Sure. So, I mean, I, I feel like I, I do that. Um, I model by example. So, you know, I'm very organized with my time. 
um, I was, I don't know if you know, like I was a, I hate to say it, like a semi-professional ice skater, but I was like pretty good and did it, you know, before school, after school, summers, I went and trained with Olympians and, you know, that kind of thing. So I, but it helped. And, and, and I only share this because it really, the, the one thing, like I haven't been on skates other than just for fun with my kids, um, since I was 15, but I, I did it for, you know, seven hours a day, um, for a really long time. <laughs> so, yeah. so that being said, it just really helps you or there's only so many hours in a day. So it helps you really be on top of organizing your day. So my kids kind of have always seen how I've structured time and, and they've followed suit. So, you know, my kids pack up their stuff the night before they don't leave things to the last minute. They're really organized with either keeping a planner, you know, now everything's online, but they, they keep everything online. We have like, we have family Google calendars and it has everyone's schedules. Um, you know, when my husband and I divide and conquer during the weekends, I, I'm just, I'm one of those people because, you know, I know you're a single mom and any single mom out there, like you, you get, um, in carpools and you're, even if your kids are like, I don't really like that kid. Well, too bad. You know, that is how we're going to get to practice or get to that competition. Um, and then dividing your time. Cause I've had kids, you know, in major competitions in two totally different places. My oldest, you know, now wants me to go to college competitions and my middle and younger want me to go to their big competitions and you can't be everywhere. So it's just really showing like what, what's most important to you that I show up for and I'll be there. And then being understanding as a sibling that, you know, I, I, it's not that I love them any less or that I think their sports any better. It's just that there's only so much of me and I want to be there for all of them. So I think again, not feeling guilty and doing the best you can. And also you have to make time for events in your lives being, you know, getting together with girlfriends or getting together with family, you know, you're not going to be able to be at everything, but the stuff that they that you're there for really showing up for it and being present and not being on your phone and, you know, not being stressed out, but really being there with a smile. And that kind of leads to at events, um, things that I've learned over time, you know, especially yeah. a lot of parents who, who played the sport or done whatever their child is interested in and they're watching. Uh-huh. And it's so freaking hard not to say like being very technical or why my kid didn't get enough playing time or to either go up to the coach or to discuss it with your spouse or to talk about it with your child, all those variables. Um, I learned a long time ago, the only thing that I should ever say, unless they ask is I absolutely loved watching you, whatever doing this and like, and being specific. I loved watching you do this. I loved seeing you do that, but just not giving your opinion on you should have done, you could have done, you know, um, on the way to sports that's great advice though. No, that's really good advice of how to end it. Cause, cause one of my questions coming up is, is them failing well, you know, how to help them to fail well. So no matter if they won the competition or completely lost it, you know, how do you, how do you help them kind of come out of that? And I think that's part of it. I think that's a being present. If they look up in the stands and they see you're on your phone or, you know, my kids used to read my face. You know, they could tell if I was smiling or not. And so I had to like, think about it sometimes when they would write up, make sure you're smiling. Right. Um, 
and so you have to be present during it and, and enjoy it. And then I, I love that advice of afterwards, you know, I really loved seeing you. And then they know that you saw them. They know that you were engaged and you really were there for right. them no matter what. I have to say, I do love, and I think it's important to set goals because I think you can achieve things without goals. And so we do talk a lot about goals and I, I do talk about that at the breakfast table. I talk about it at the dinner table. I talk about it um, on the way to sports, like, you know, what is your goal? Cause it, it's, it can't be obtainable if you're not thinking it, saying it, and then you do it. Like it's kind of the the steps to success when it comes to those things. And, you know, I think, um, you know, 10% ability and, and 90% heart and really, you know, believing in yourself. So once you're, once you're at a certain level, it, it really does come down to that. The all kids in high level sports are, super talented. It's just who wants it more. Um, and you can't learn without visualization and without a lot of meditative practices to help you, you know, stay away from the flight, fright or flight fight response and really do your thing with control. And then with a little bit of adrenaline, cause you're always going to have adrenaline when you're, you know, in the moment of a sport. So, yeah, no, that's, that's really good advice. I love the whole just a concept of a goal and and the concept of being that positive earworm, you know, like, like we were, I don't know if we said it before we were filming or while we were on it, but that we're the voice in our kid's head, whether we like it or not. Right. And they're always going to be hearing you. So be careful, you know, what you say, because they do hear every little thing and it gets Absolutely. in there, but, but being that positive earworm of what is your goal for today? You know, what, best case scenario, how do you think this is going to go? And then, and then they have somewhere to go and hopefully surpass and, and jump over it. Right. First, yeah. First. And a quick story when my, when my middle, there's like a local race in, in our community, uh, a, a running race and there's different ages. And, and this is something I think that's really the July race is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yes. the July race. So my middle, <laughs> at 12, won the 14 and under. Um, and she then was very resistant to running it again because she didn't want to lose. She, she'd won it and she didn't want to have that pressure of having to do it again and getting her over that hump of, you know, it's called a fun run. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's okay. And so, but yet she was, she's, my middle is actually a little more, not as organized, but more competitive than my oldest. Okay. Um, and so she, in order to do that, like, I was like, run with your brother, make it a fun run. Don't make it about competition. And I think sometimes we need our kids to do things just for fun, right? Like, yes. It, so yes, there is a definite time and place for high level sports um, and rigor and stress because there is a natural stress related to it, or you're not going to be, you're not going to want to continue on to that level. However, nice. they should also do this stuff for fun. Um, another middle story, she, she was on, um, she was on the JV basketball team, but she was kind of slated to be on the varsity team this year. And she's like, I, I don't want to, like, I don't want that pressure. And she, so she's, she's a runner as well. She's like, I'm just going to run. Like I want to do cross country and track, take that seriously. That's what she wants to pursue next year in college. Um, but there's, there's social service, um, supported 
sports and she's on the basketball team for that and loves it. And why does she love it? Because sometimes they just need to do their thing to, to do their love for that sport without the stress of having to, to be in and do, you know, a certain perform. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I think that you not, you need to do both. Yeah. And I think you have to model that too. They need to see you having fun for just the sake of having fun. And, you know, we both, we both have two daughters and it it took me a long time to realize, well, and then also forgive myself for the times that I wasn't my best, where I wasn't in my complete truth of who I was and then, and modeling how to be, you know, the best you can be. And I had to kind of forgive myself for that, but I, I love all the ways that you're showing them, just modeling good behavior for how to be, how to show up in the world, you know? Right. Especially have kids. Yeah. My, so my kids, um, and that's something else like they, cause I initially was going to run in college, um, and, and decided not to. And they're always like, and actually I still have a record at Nutrier. How funny is that? Yeah, you do. Good job. <laughs> um, I'm like, who would have thunk it? It was like an indoor, like relay which now they names on the wall. Good for you. Funny. So anyway, they, they're like, why didn't you? I'm like, you know what? Like I was done. Like I, I didn't need that anymore. And it doesn't mean that I didn't love to run because I still continue to run on my own, but it's okay to say like, I've had enough. I want my life to shoot, to take a different trajectory. And as long as you got something, I think it's really important again, as I said, to continuously have goals, whatever they may be. And to pursue those. And I think that's what life's about. It's, you know, those like continuous personal achievements and personal um, passions and, and living at, you know, as I said at the beginning, like all each day, um, not like it's your last, I don't like that quote, but like each day, like it matters, like it matters matters. and it's not just a day, no matter the weather. I mean, you're in warm weather, but we're not over here. (laughs) And it's still, it's, you know, it's, it's just positive mental attitude and, and you have moments when you're down and that's okay. But knowing that you're going to show up for yourself again. Yeah. Uh, that whole concept of thoughts become things, you know, if you don't have a thought of, you know, it'd be cool to, to do whatever. Like for me, it would be amazing if I could be as good at yoga as you are. (laughs) So that's my goal for somehow someday. And I, you know, I don't, probably don't practice as much as you do, but you are an amazing yogi and yoga teacher. So that's another part of it. And you know but, um, with one day, one day I'll be able to do that handstand. Not, again, it's not about being good at it. It's about, it's about being present for it. Right. And, and then having goals, like for me, with, especially with hand, with handstand, like I was deathly afraid of falling on my face Um, so I couldn't, and I, I actually don't fall out very often. I, which is why I learned to press. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I needed to have control of my body and space. And that was important to me. So again, it's, it's a goal kind of hack away at it. And eventually things happen. Exactly. Um, okay. So two more kids in sports questions. One, there's a lot of sports teams. I don't know if it's like this where you are, but out here where the parents are the coaches. So not just when they're younger, but even here all the way through middle school, it really isn't until high school where they have a real, a real coach. Is there any good advice that you've seen from 
coaches along the way that mm-hmm. really were great coaches, like simple advice that we could give to, you know, the mom that is coaching the basketball team or the yeah. dad that's, you know, coaching the baseball team. Are there any amazing coaches you've come across that, that you could share any advice on if they have to be the coaches themselves? So I find the best coaches, if it is parent rent, parent run, um, are those who, who really are, are reflective in, in their practices. And so, you know, they are making sure, and actually those are the ones whose kids don't love when their parents coach because they're harder on them, um, than they are in, in terms of like, you know, they really have to perform above and beyond all the other kids to get playing time. Um, and not necessarily that that's like a good thing, but, but they're just, they're parents that are very, um, I guess, objective in how they do things. And, and it's, you know, based on skill and, um, I don't know, I, I feel like, you know, team spirit and, and really just being there, there's more than just, I think, um, athleticism. There's, there's really something to, um, those kids who bring the team up. And I think that coaches, especially parents who value that skill set, that those kids who, who do bring the team together and collaborate and, and, and make sure, cause a, a team is only as good as their weakest player. Um, so really, you know, seeing that and, um, I guess really advocating for those kids is important. So I, those are the, those are the, I think best coaches that I've seen, um, who really just, they look at, at the whole picture and not just the best player. Um, you know, I've seen those as well. And those are the coaches who want, you know, they, when there's like, you know, all the kids in groups and there's, you know, kids are scored usually, um, as a Mm -hmm. one, two, three, or four. And then you kind of go through the list, like all the ones get picked by the different coaches and then the twos and the threes and that that's with most sports. Um, but those coaches are not necessarily looking for the best players. They're looking for the best team players. Um, I think that's an important part. Well, that's interesting too. And what good advice for parents to make sure that their kid, you know, not only is in the proper shape to be there, you know, that they've been practicing and can do it, but that they're showing up kind, kindly, they're showing up where they're, you know, helping out their team and and making sure that they have that whole child approach doing it too. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if they show up, you know, just as the best player that all those other traits really do matter. Yes. And sports, you know, it's kind of the, the Petri dish of life in terms of, you know, how you function with others and, and how you show yourself with others and, and who are you proud of being at, you know, as, as a person. Yeah. How deep. So true. I love it. I love it. Okay. So talk to me about the college path. So again, we're going back to this yes. mom one Oh one, you know, Jennifer who has a kid who is really amazingly good at baseball or soccer or whatever the sport is in like fourth grade. Sure. So what's the advice or the path to have them playing, you know, NCAA? Well, first all, yeah. First of all, you don't want burnout. Um, and that happens with a lot of great athletes. They're, they're pushed by their parents and it's not coming from them. So you always have to check in with your kid and make sure, you, you know, some kids, they take time off and, and that doesn't mean that they're not going to play collegiate sports. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to play high school sports. They just need a year break or they want to pursue another sport. And I think those athletes 
who do pursue other sports, who know that that's what they need, they actually come back as stronger athletes in whatever given sport their parents, you know, initially thought they were going to be most successful in. Um, or they're just, you know, equally or better in that other sport. And maybe that's the sport that they want to continue collegiately, professionally, whatever it may be. Um, I think you also have to be exposed to different coaching. So, you know, there are obviously, um, parent run programs, there's travel programs. I think you have to get out of your neighborhood and learn from people that have different things to offer. Um, because in college, it, it's very different than high school in terms of, um, the coaching style and the rigor. I think also if your child is one of those kids who has a difficult time with balancing school and sports collegiate, you know, sports probably isn't something that you should have them pursue or at least, you know, push them in that direction because it, it it's a, it's a huge commitment to play your sport for five hours a day. And then also have the balance of, again, getting back to that, you know, you can only really be good at two things like meeting other people in college outside of the, you know, whatever sport it is, or, you know, deciding really, you know, focusing on their, um, academics, because obviously they're there for that as well. So there, there is a balance with that. And then lastly, um, there's getting help. So college counselors are, are very good at helping families with the, the normal trajectory of, of going to college, but finding it out if possible, finding outside sources. And there's a really good, um, app slash, tool, uh, it's NCSA and they have a, um, for different levels of payments, they have a way to connect coaches with every college, um, coaches in every college with students. And once you're on the app, they kind of reach out based on a connection of both academics and, you know, obviously dependent on the sport levels. You can put in videos, but it's a good way for like you to get noticed, um, dependent. And again, depending on the level as well, like there's division three and there's division one and division two is kind of like yet like very, very small schools for the most part. Most kids go to division who are in sports are division three and division one in terms of what they're looking for. Division two just is a happenstance type of situation. Um, And so division one the difference between division one and division three is money. Um, division one athletes can actually get money to play, um, for sports where division three athletes can get academic scholarships, but not money specifically to play sport. So, um, that's kind of just a nuance I didn't even know about until getting into this world, but also amazing tip. I had no idea yeah. or that you could reach out to the coaches, like through this app, I'll make sure to put it in the show yeah. notes that, you know, that's, that's so interesting. You can advocate yeah. for yourself and your kid. Exactly. And it's, and there's, there's people uh, that, who are affiliated with this, um, that actually will help you, you know, they'll kind of, they'll help you like direct your, your portfolio to what you're looking for. And then, you know, you select the colleges that you're interested in anything that you would do with the school, high school counselor, you know, you can, you, it'll show if you're a match based on what they're looking for in terms of coach and their needs, um, for whatever sports team, as well as, you know, 
I do have the academics to go there regardless. And it's a, it's a really cool system. Yeah. That is kind of, um, unless you are in the top three of your high school, that's kind of how you get noticed and you get placed in a school that you would be successful and, um, and happy at, you know, really. Which is the goal. Which is the goal. Cause you're right. They're there hopefully for academics first right. and, you know, getting something so they can have a, a career moving forward. That's brilliant. Absolutely. And then let's go back an age group. So yes. your kid is in middle school. Yes. What do you suggest in that age range? So, well, as I said, in middle school, um, really exploring other leagues outside of your community. So if you have access and obviously an expense to do it, uh, doing travel teams outside of your community, I think is important to learn from other kids to see, you know, a a wider scope of what's out there um, and to see if it's something you love, regardless of who you're playing with, because that's kind of where it becomes, it's not, a lot of kids love their sport because they love their friends. And they, they love playing with their friends that sport. And that's wonderful. But playing the sport is different than playing with your friends. And I, I will tell you, uh, because my middle d- did the most, and she's going to run in college. Um, my middle did the most with other sports other than single athletic events. Um, my son and my daughter both are swimmers. So it's more, although it's a team sport, it's an individual sport. Compared to my, my middle played travel soccer to the highest level and travel basketball to the highest level. And those sports, she didn't, once she got to the, the level, especially with soccer, she didn't like it because it, she didn't like the rigor attached without the friends that she had at the lower levels with her by her side. Okay. And she was better than, than them. So she moved up and she just, she didn't, she realized that, that, the, that hadn't, she had no interest in doing it. So really, and allowing for that, that's, that's okay for your kids to be, um, you know, to enjoy things at different levels and, um, listen to them. Like if they say, I don't want to move up, you know, for, that was a mistake I made as a parent. Um, for sure. You know, I always felt with sports, like you should be playing in travel sports. I'll, I'll kind of quantify that with travel sports. You should play at the highest level that you're capable of. If you're a competitive athlete, that that's kind of how I always felt. And I didn't look at it from the, the vantage point of, well, maybe she didn't want that, you know, and, and she did appreciate the travel part and she did appreciate the rigor of, you know, being in some, some tough, you know, really highly competitive sports, but she didn't want to be at that top level. And I, you know, I didn't even, even think about that. That wasn't in my realm of understanding and, and it had, you know, I, I think parents really need to know their kid and know what they're able to handle with stress and maybe that's not where they want to go. And so like taking a step back and, you know, when they get that, because in travel sports, you usually get, you know, a place on a team and they, you have to, and this goes with junior high elementary school and you have to accept it, but you almost always have the opportunity to move down. Like, so say like your kid's friends, um, got lower spots on a, on a team and your child got a higher spot and they say, well, I don't want to play without my friend. Maybe talk with them about the idea that that's okay, but just know, you know, that you're deciding this versus this. And it's just, it's something for them to be aware of and they may be okay with that. And I think my daughter would have been okay with that, but I kind of pushed her in the other direction just because that was what I thought she ultimately wanted, but it wasn't. So, you know, really 
Good for you for being able to see yeah, that. And, absolutely. And I'm sure there's a lot of parents whose egos get in the way. No, you're on the higher team. Go, just do it. You know, that's what we're here for. But it, no, but it wasn't that for me, it was a total mistake on my part, but it wasn't yes. my ego. It was more like in my, in my viewpoint, like if you're a competitive athlete, you should play at the highest level you possibly can. But that's not what she wanted. She didn't want to play. She wanted to be an athlete at this level. And I should have respected that even in, it was in seventh grade, like even in seventh grade, you know, and, and she decided not to pursue it in high school because she didn't like that rigor. Um, yeah. Ironically, high school is not as competitive as some of these travel leagues, and especially the one she was in. Um, and her friend who made the lower team does play on the varsity high school team and loves it. So, you know, you never know. But I, I, my suggestion is just really listen to your kids because they're, they're the leader of their path. And regardless of what you want for them, it has to come from them, as I said at the beginning. Yeah, that is so, so, so true. How do you, um, knowing your kids are all a little bit different and it sounds like you have two that are, that are swimmers. How do you keep the balance that not one of them is the star? How do you make sure that they all feel included and important with whatever they're doing? If one of them was, you know, on, wanted to be on Broadway, be an actor, not just, you know what I mean? Like, how would you make sure that they're all, cause it's hard when there's more than one, you know, and especially if you have one that really is a star at something, you know, is yeah. on varsity at freshman year yeah. or something. Like I was on tennis, I was on yeah. varsity, <laughs> but how do you make them, how do you make them all feel important, not just special, but important to you. And, and that one's not more important than any other. So I think being specific in how you, you share, you know, how you feel about things and, and really letting them, you know, I, I think you can say, if you're saying like, you did a really good job, it's not really giving them that qualitative information that they, that they're going to believe you. So really being specific in, in how you share feedback with kids with anyone is really important. Um, you know, it's those nuances of making sure that they know you care. And if you aren't specific in, you know, in sharing content, then it's just kind of verbal, not verbal garbage, but verbal praise that is unwarranted, let's say. And so my kids know, like, I think, as we said at the beginning, like every kid is good at different things and different intelligences and you know, sharing what you're proud of in, in a way that, that makes them know that you, you really do value their gifts and everyone has them. And, and I think families celebrating together too. I think that's another really good way, you know, whether, whether they won or lost, especially, you know, my kids ran track yeah. in high school and my daughter did triple jump. And so it's yeah. like one of those. And so she got a silver medal every single week, a, cause she was pretty good at it, but also because there aren't that many people that can do that in that specific thing. Yeah. And so single week she got a silver medal and every single week her brother who was a freshman at the time who was running not so much he would finish and we'd be like ooh, but we'd celebrate as a family right we'd all celebrate together and no matter how you ended it was we were all there to support each other and to celebrate whatever you know make sure that everyone feels included in that celebration I think is a big part of it absolutely I love that yeah yeah. Um, and I, my, my heart is with you for trying to get to as many meets as possible with your college one. Cause it's, it's hard when they're, when they're not in your local thing anymore to get to those, those meets is difficult. Uh huh. I was just in Annapolis last week or two weeks ago 
for my daughter's like final meet and she gave me COVID. <laughs> she didn't know she had it. She was like not feeling well, but you know, they travel on like five, six hours to get places. They don't have much sleep, the nerves, the stress, everything else. They're crammed in, you know, a little bus and then they're in crappy hotel rooms. And, you know, I just assumed she was like worn down, but sure enough, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. She's skiing. Um, yeah. She's skiing the, um, she goes to school in San Diego. And uh-huh. so it doesn't seem like they would have it, but they have a ski, a ski team. It's more of a cool. club, but a team. And so she was in the regionals and, and I went up because they was in Mammoth and I watched her race and she did amazing and got to video and do that. Be the mom, right? It's so much fun to be the mom at the bottom. And then we went up the chairlift in between and uh, another teammate was like, oh, it's so great. You could be here. Because it's hard. I mean, again, it's hard to travel to all these, yes. these faraway places. And we started cracking up because it was the first and last time that she raced that I had seen her. And she was oh. like, oh, it's so sweet. But I was like, but I did it. I made it to one of them and I was there and I, you know, had cheered you on from afar from all of them, but it's such a different thing than, you know, when they're on baseball in first grade Absolutely. to when they're in these huge things in college and you're like, have fun. Good luck. Tell me how it goes. Like, yeah. oh, it's, it's so different. But it's also like, they still so value that you're there. Like when I was in the stands watching her, like she saw me, she, she texted me like, are you here an hour before and said, yep. I was. and then she saw me and just like, it's like she was in first grade again. You know, it, it, yes. it's, still, it's still that same reaction of like, they're always going to, and, and that's the thing. They're always going to seek our approval. If, you know, if we continue to give, give it in a loving, you know, really honest way. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then that you see that little first grader in them too. And you're like, Oh, that's my kid. oh it's the best. Okay. So we're going to, Transition to our last couple ones because I don't want to keep you all day, but this has been wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Um, your best grandma advice, not necessarily about sports, but just of raising three kids and raising three kids kids well from that point of view of the grandma who loves you so much and the warm and fuzzy feelings that you get from all that you know, warm chocolate chip cookie feeling. Is yeah. there any piece of advice that you got that really helped you be a great yeah. one. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I said it before, but it, it really is important to be a good listener because we do a lot of talking as parents and a lot of directing, and we take a lot of ownership away from our kids to make decisions. You know, you mentioned there are definitely parents who are like, what do you want for dinner? You like want the, the child to lead, but there's also a lot of parents who tell their kids exactly what to do and they don't have a lot of ownership of their own lives. And so really when they're sharing stories, when you ask them questions to ask follow-up questions to really be a a good listener um, without comment some of the time. Um, I think that's like a grandma thing, right? Your grandma loves you unconditionally and they're just proud of you and they just want to be around you and and be in your presence and with a smile. And so I, I think that would be my grandma advice is just really being present listening and, and showing your listening by again, following up with questions that are specific to what they're, they're sharing. Um, and letting your kids know, cause there's, you know, they're, I don't know about yours, but you know, my kids are all different in terms of their, um, their personalities with sharing information and, you know, allowing each 
child to kind of have their time in sharing. Some of it will take a little longer than others and letting your kids know like they have to listen to their siblings as well when they're talking, even if they're not telling their story, you know, in 30 seconds and with, you know, a lot of information, um, giving them the time to get it all out too is important and learn how to get it all out. Yeah. That goes right back around to the beginning too, of just the golden rule. You know, if it was their turn to speak, they would want you to have that time to really listen and get to it. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I love it. Um, okay. So if this was a time capsule, if your kids got to watch this little podcast or listen to it in 10, 20, 30 years, yeah. is there a moment where it was just perfect, where your family was all together, where there was just one moment that everything was great. I had a moment, um, I'll share a little one just as an example, where we visited my eldest at college. She went to school up in Humboldt, which is way Northern California. And they have these beaches that are just like that, like moody gray, you know, and like little rocks everywhere. And we all were actually kind of spread out for a second. And everyone was kind of doing their own thing, picking up rocks. My daughter made like a heart out of rocks on the sand. And my son was like running up this dune and just spanning this view and seeing all of us being exactly who you were. And then we all came together silently and like sat and watched the waves. And it was just this like surreal, you know, mm, just in my mind. Do you have a moment like, I'm not sure you have a million, but share one. Well, I have a, I mean, we were in Nicaragua um, at this like amazing, you know, eco-friendly place like with wild monkeys howling everywhere and it was like 9 30 at night and this guy came in and he said does anyone want to go see the turtles hatching and we're like sure you know we assume it's like because we're on the beach we assume it's around the corner and you know it's going to be like a short endeavor and it just like really defined my kids personalities my oldest she's like who I said is very regimented in terms of like she wants to do things when she wants to do it. And she, you know, that's the swimmer. She wanted to like go to sleep at the right time so she could wake up and do her workout. And she, you know, this is how she likes to live her life, which sometimes you have to be flexible. And so it was an interesting time because this was a five hour endeavor that started at nine 30 because they're, yeah. they don't come out till like 11 and you kind of sit on this beach and we weren't at the beach that we were at. It was like an hour drive. We had to go to this like conservatory area Nicaragua by the way when um turtles are hatched there's only like four places in the world they actually do this and they they because what happens is when the turtles hatch predators come and eat them and the mothers try to bring them into the ocean to to safely you know live and they they survive and then they you know they it's a conservatory so they help protect them and so my daughter wanted to leave my middle one and my son were just like in awe and it's so their personalities they're just like amazed by everything and my daughter like sat there and was like miserable but yet she kind of like looked out of one eye like she liked it but like it was so not what she wanted to do and my husband and I just like it was that moment I don't know if you've seen um parenthood uh in the 80s yeah yeah you know it was like the roller coaster ride like this is life like and it was amazing. And it's, if I, that's, that's one moment. And and we look back and everyone knows exactly how they felt at that moment. There were so many emotions and it was yes. like, 
again, getting back to, you should have all the emotions, you know, one was crying at the beauty. One was crying at wanting to go home exhausted. And my husband and I were laughing because we just, it was just, it was just, it was the roller coaster. So yes. Yeah. No, I love that. I absolutely love that. And then you have the like, everything that, that you put in as parents to even get there, right? Schedules and flights and whatever. And you're like, and this moment right now is all of that. And you just can just sink in and yeah, soak it all in. Oh, what a great experience. That, that is cool. amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for your wisdom. You're so Thank welcome. You so much for your time. It was absolutely wonderful. Okay. And, um, I just appreciate everything about you. And I'm so excited that I get to see you later this week and come to your yoga class. So yay. I'm so excited for you to come. We'll work on some handstands. Put your thoughts up there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure about that goal yet. I'm still working on, you know, my chaturangas to make sure that my arms get strong enough for there. And I can do the, like the legs on the wall kind of. Uh Anyway, thank you so much. You're so so welcome. Take care. Hey, yes, mamas. Just wanted to jump on quick and let you know about a free, actually a donation-based event that's happening in Northern Los Angeles on Sunday, May 7th. It's going to be at the Bella Cures Westlake Village, and it's called Mindful Mother's Day, a workshop for moms to celebrate and recharge. We're going to be doing a workshop. We're going to have a meditation and some Reiki and some moms really coming together to be the best selves. I'm going to be leading a workshop and the meditation, and I really invite you to come and join me. Check it out on Instagram, yes.mamailana, Y-E-S dot M-A-M-A-I-L-A-N-A, and get all the details. I really hope to see you there. It's on Sunday, May 7th at 8 a.m. in Westlake Village.